Welcome to A Country of Gamblers, an investigative look into gambling in Kenya, focusing on Sport Pesa, the biggest and most visible betting company in Kenya's history. This story is told by Paul Wafula, who has been investigating the gambling industry in Kenya for the last five years. It lifts the corporate veil on the gambling underworld, going behind the billions that flowed through the industry to bring you the whole story. You now know how the Bulgarian Mafia came into a country of gamblers. From here, we take you inside the Sport Pesa boardroom at Chancery House to give you the front row seat into the story of the meteoric rise of Kenya's biggest betting company. Previously on a country of gamblers. The last week when they were saying that this is not going to, to work, this is the time when it started picking up. And he started making money. My regret, despite you cannot be able to undo it, is that I got myself working with criminals. Welcome to the program. Now, former Nairobi mayor and one-time Makadara member of parliament, Dick Wathika is dead. Wathika passed away last night at the current hospital, according to people close to him. It is understood that Wathika fell ill and checked himself into hospital where he died. The death of Dick Wathika must have jolted the young betting company. He was their connection to licenses, and he had just brought in a huge investor, Paul Ndungu. The two Bulgarians, Nikolov and Grand, immediately made Paul Ndungu chairman, taking over from his now-gone friend. Paul continued to pour in his money. Sportpesa will throw the money into advertising, and Paul will get more shares. It was a very transactional relationship. While Paul Ndungu covered the money part of it, the Bulgarians needed someone to plug the hole Dick Wathika had left. They had an idea of who else would be the face of the mega company. Somehow now, after the demise of Wathika, the former chairman, then they got Karaori to their side. Ronald Karauri is a man who requires very little introduction among the Kenyan audiences. He's a CEO of Sportpesa. When the company was flying high, sponsoring Kenyan Football League and other cups, you will see him handing the trophies to the teams. In fact, he became a celebrity CEO and a known personality because of the sheer amount of money Sportpesa put in advertising and by extension, the media. Okay, uh, thank you very much for, for coming over. My name is Ronald Karauri. I'm the CEO of Sportpesa. And uh, we're currently at the Sportpesa offices at Chancellor Building. I have been looking to sit down with a man 
at the center of this operation. And finally, I had a chance. In the production of this podcast, I have interviewed Ronald Karauri twice and spoken to him dozens of times on the phone because there's just too many moving pieces in this story. Since the company was in government crosshairs, Karauri has kept a low profile. He has not spoken to any media. I will admit, we were both nervous about this encounter. Karauri is a pleasant host. He has a quick wit, and he's very media savvy. That's to mean he knows how to deal with journalists and reporters, and I'm very much aware of this. He also knows that I have been conducting this investigation for a while, so there's a bit of tension which you'll hear. How does Karauri, a former captain of Kenya Airways, live what looked like a high-flying career and take a bet in sports betting? Mm, that's an interesting question because now, what happened, I had, I had experienced operating a business. I don't know if you remember, there was a club called Skylax in the uh, Yes. <laughs> so, I, I operated that business and I had some partners also. So what I realized from that experience is that if, if you have a stake in a business, it's a very, because the opportunity was offered to me to come to Sportpesa. And I realized if you're not part of that operation of the business, sometimes you might miss out on a lot of things, especially at the time I'm a minority shareholder also in Sportpesa. So it would be good if I'm offered the opportunity to take part in running the business because I could see the potential at that point. So, like everyone else in this story, Ronald Karauri comes into sports betting after he's offered an opportunity with Bulgarians. He invests some money that allows him to be part of the board. Karauri told me he met the two Bulgarians while playing poker. Because when we started, there's a friend of mine called Gero. I'm sure you, you know, you've covered him in some of your whatever. He's one of the Bulgarian uh, guys who are part of the business. That's Nikolov, right? Yes, Nikolov. He's called uh, Gerasim Nikolov. Yes. So, yeah, we met with him because I used to play poker and we became friends. So initially the idea was to do, because at the time also Skylax was running, the idea was we do a business of a club or a bar or something. So when he, he mentioned to me this idea and he said, you know what, it's an expensive whatever, but I think it's something. So after sitting and seeing uh, the potential, I decided this is something I want to, 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 to risk. So I sold like a piece of land of mine and <laughs> decided to put all the money in because it was a very expensive investment at the time in terms of uh, what we initially put because it was approximately $5 million at the time. So it was a big risk, but if done properly, we really believed that it could take off. Yeah. So the startup capital would say is about $5 Approximately. Four to five million. So, you know, when you're buying the shares, yes, 1% was approximately 5 million shillings. Yes. The big operation that is Sportpesa soon took off with Karauri as a captain. The two Bulgarians at the background ran the business. Paul Dungu, the chairman, was looking at the numbers, and Karauri was a public face. And Ronald Karauri became really, really really huge. His name was a brand name. His face recognized everywhere. 
understands. Wow. So, you know, that, that is a perception I think that comes with media mostly because I have never, if you talk to people that are around me, they have never really changed. It is just that public perception. And, I, and it comes with, I, I guess, because Propesa became so big, especially with the sponsorships and the global visibility. Uh, I think there's a perception of how someone in that position should be, and that is how the public probably painted me to be. But uh, nothing has ever changed. And in terms of even the perception of about how much money and, uh, you know, how much money is earned from the business, it's, the business is one thing and the person is something totally different. So I think that separation is what was lacking in the public, but I uh, have never really changed at all. <laughs> yeah. However you look at it, Ronald Karauri's personality and the Bulgarian's show of might was really a turning point for local sports and sponsorships. The showmanship worked and the sponsorship was extremely massive. So, of course, if you look at the history of Sportpesa, uh, when we started in Kenya, we were, very, we were very successful in Kenya. So what happened was the idea was to build a global company. Initially, we didn't have any competition in Kenya. Of course, competition came after. But for us, we were looking at the likes of Bet365, uh, uh, what do you call it, Bet, Betway, the international companies as our competition. Now, the question was, for us to build an international company, how do you go about it? What kind of structures do you need? So the idea was to form a company that would be the headquarters of Sportpesa globally. And then from that company, it's the one that owns the rest of the network of Sportpesa. So that's how Sportpesa UK came into being. So at, uh, in Liverpool, that's where we have our head office. That's the reason why Global was formed. So now it expands Sportpesa into the world. The local sponsorship where Sportpesa began ran into hundreds of millions. The company started with football, a sport loved in Kenya. It doesn't mean Kenyans do very well in football. Far from it. Kenyans are world beaters in athletics. But in football, Kenyans simply go into a frenzy. So the company tapped into this national mood. And what a better way to capture the imagination of Kenyans than supporting the two sports teams that have history and the largest fans. FC Leopards and Gore Maya. I am a financial journalist, not a sports journalist. I know my limits here, so I needed to enlist the help of someone who knows the ins and outs of sports to explain to us the impact of sport betting in Kenyan sports scene. Thank you for having me, Paul, and uh, your team. I'm humbled to be here. I'm David Kualimwa, I'm an online editor currently at uh, Nation Media Group. I have been uh, covering sports and uh, football uh, for the last uh, decade. There's no one better than my colleague to give us the perspective of sports. When I started investigating this story, I told you there were many moving pieces. Here is yet another piece. Uh, football, uh, Paul, is the most uh, popular sport in Kenya. 
it's a game of the masses and uh, masses follow uh, their their fans follow their favorite uh, football teams and uh, with their results passionately so to speak and it's been there uh, when fans get to know and follow and come to the stadium to watch their teams uh, since uh, as far back as we gained independence uh, but football is not the most uh, successful t uh, t uh, sport in Kenya by the way you know about the exploits of our volleyball team our rugby team our athletes in international assignments so uh, comfortably we can say football is not uh, the most uh, uh, successful sport even though it is the most uh, popular sport uh, so far back in the 60s and uh, and 70s uh, football was just a pastime uh, in Kenya where uh, many footballers and many players did other things and then came to the stadium to watch foot to, to, to train and play football in the evening so football was a passionate pastime hobby for most uh, footballers but then again, uh, uh, corporates and uh, parastatals invested in football by hiring uh, these players to work in their companies during the day and come and train in the evening. So, football started out as a national pastime. And as Kenya got independence, the first employer for many Kenyans were parastatals and state agencies. If you will allow me to just mention a few of those uh, parastatals like the Kenya Postal Corporations, uh, the Kenya Pipeline, uh, Eldoret KCC, Rivertex, Mumia Sugar, Bata, the shoemaking company. Uh, they really invested in football at the time by uh, getting to employ, as I told you earlier, getting to employ these players to work uh, mostly blue-collar jobs in these farms and then come and play uh, football uh, later on. But there was a wave uh, that came in between the 1980s, late 1980s and late 1990s where the, the Kenyan economy quite took a beating. And uh, most of these parastatals had to lay off these players uh, as a result of that uh, because uh, uh, football, as I told you, was considered a pastime. Uh, and after that, uh, football really went, uh, the, the, the state of football economy in Kenya really uh, took a beating. Uh, as, a, as, as a result of that. And, and maybe if I can take you back again, uh, apart from these uh, corporates uh, and parastatals getting to invest in football in the manner I've informed you, there was this era of handouts uh, where politicians and especially former president Daniel Torotichar-Moy could come to the stadium and watch uh, a football match probably involving the biggest teams, AFC Leopards, Gormaya, Kenya Breweries, Shabana. And when he's, uh, when he's pleased with the result, he would come and give out uh, words of notes and bundles of notes to the players in terms of appreciation. It is a culture that still exists, Paul, with some uh, famous politicians, if you allow me to name them, the Deputy President William Ruto and Nairobi Governor Mike Sonko, are still known to give out handouts uh, to, uh, to, 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 to players or footballers after a match when they get to win, especially the most prominent matches involving Arambe Stars and Nigeria, Ghana, you name them, Ethiopia, or when the Kenya national team has qualified possibly for an international tournament, you get to see politicians come and give in handouts. So that was basically the source of income for footballers. Uh, apart from that, there's, a, there's some amount that comes in from gate takings, but there is a serious disconnect between corporates currently and, uh, and football. So, Kenya's most loved sport, football, really survives on politicians' goodwill. And with the collapse of parastatals that were breeding ground for football players, one can see how an investment in football will take you so far. You, you are unlikely to see a blue-chip company in Kenya 
pump money into football for sponsorship purposes for one reason or another. Uh, mostly, it's a clandestine relationship where a, 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 a company would have a short-term arrangement with a football team or if there's a personal political interest in one of the guys uh, managing the company or a senior person in football, that is when you're going to see. So there has been this problem of, uh, of funding to football. You know, football right now is a business. It's a big, big, big business. Players earn up to 20 million per month, I can tell you. Uh, Victor Wanyama, the Arambe Stars captain, is based in Canada right now. It is reported he earns up to 25 million shillings a month. Michael Olunga is based in Qatar. It is reported he's earning up to 15 million shillings a month. So football is big, big business, but you need big investment to get uh, a good returns. Kenya's pool of talented footballers have showcased how attractive the sport can be. And these players go on to show you, Paul, how much talent there is in Kenya. And before them, you remember, there was that era of McDonald, Mariga, and uh, Dennis Oliech who were phased out. And uh, there have been the likes of Michael Koth, who was based in Belgium, the Arambestas player, and father to Liverpool striker, Divo Corrigi. Uh, so it goes on to show you that despite the challenges that uh, Kenyan football has had down the years, uh, the country has still been in a position to bring through some of the best talent, the cream de la cream of talents in the world. So uh, moving up uh, onto that, uh, also the other problem was investment in infrastructure, which, which was not quite up to par if you can consider Kenya with other countries. And even countries with far less economies than Kenya have invested so much in infrastructure. Uh, but that has not been the, uh, the case uh, with the Kenyan government uh, in building stadiums, uh, building good infrastructure in which our players can train and play and probably uh, go and play uh, professional football elsewhere. President Daniel Arapoi in 1989, former President uh, Daniel Arapoi now deceased, in 1989, did uh, give land to AFC Leopards and Gomaya at Kasarani to develop it probably for training as a training ground, to build a stadium, or to use of business of their own. It was, again, a handout after, of course, for political reasons. Uh, and uh, it's unfortunate that up to now, these two teams have not managed to invest or uh, to commercialize that land. You know how prime uh, such an area is. So these are the problems that uh, Kenyan football has managed, uh, has, has gone through in the last 10 to 15 to 20 years. And it has, to an extent, staggered the development of football in Kenya, uh, considering some of the talents that we've managed to have. Uh, there could be more Kenyans playing in Europe, more Kenyans playing in Asia, earning good money to come and invest home. But that has not been the case. With all the frustration and mishaps that have gone on in the Kenyan football industry, still the passion for this sport is there, and the drive to succeed is there. In fact, Paul, uh, Kenyan players have really struggled. They go home without pay. That was just before uh, the betting craze came in at around 2014, 2015. Players would go on without, home without pay. At that time, remember again, most uh, corporates and uh, parastatals were struggling, so they had, they had pulled out uh, to support football. Football was no longer a priority to them. Some of them, like River Tex, Mumia Sugar, Eldoret KCC, uh, closed down completely. Uh, Kenya Postal Corporation, they were in today, tomorrow they are not in, so you couldn't quite rely on them. So the talented players, those who really believed they can make a, a name or living from football, continued to play football, but for nothing. 
they could play and possibly get a training alliance here, uh, a handout there, uh, hoping to be called up to the national team to impress so that they can get a professional deal probably outside the country in Zambia, in South Africa, in North Africa. Uh, but then all this changed uh, in 2014 when, uh, of course, Sport Pesa was launched. As someone who didn't care for football, I'm surprised by the sorry state of the sport. As Kwalima explains, football wasn't exactly a hot potato investment, but shrewd investment nevertheless. As Sport Pesa came into the Kenyan market first, and then they just poured millions and millions of uh, Kenya shillings into Kenyan football. Uh, 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 for AFC Leopards and Gormaya, which are the two biggest clubs in Kenya, uh, Sport Pesa put in or, uh, or, 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 or pumped in 100 million shillings to both clubs, not each to both clubs, 50 million shillings each per year to the clubs in exchange for Jersey sponsorship deals. Uh, Sport, Sport Pesa went ahead and, uh, and put in a similar amount of money, around 100 million shillings, to the Kenyan Premier League in exchange for the title sponsorship deal. So at the point in time, uh, the Kenyan Premier League was known as the Sport Pesa Premier League. So they sold the naming rights to Sport Pesa. Uh, this money was uh, not enough, but it was adequate to take Kenyan football to the next level. Players could be paid on time. Uh, there was a need for there was a need for these players to play, there was motivation. And I could say the standards of football a little bit went up. There was this craze from the fan base to, to be able to uh, come to the stadium to watch because the players were playing good football. And, and that was not all, that was not all. Sport Pesa also put in uh, uh, quite, quite, quite a bit of money on, on grassroots sports, to, 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 apart from sponsoring football, there was grass, grassroots sports. You'll know of the Kothbiro tournament. Uh, they put in money to sponsor the Kothbiro tournament. There was another grassroots football tournament known as the Extreme Sports. A sport Pesa could pump in up to 30 million shillings a year. So even at the grassroots, uh, the impact of Sport Pesa funding uh, or developing football, if it may, was felt up to the international stage, Paul, where, of course, uh, you remember in uh, 2017, uh, Sport Pesa successfully managed to bring Everton Football Club to Tanzania to play Gormaya in a friendly match. And this is not just any other team. The team co consisted uh, the likes of superstars such as Wayne Rooney uh, coming to East Africa to play our very own Gormaya or Kenyan club Gormaya, which was almost unheard of. The following season, again, uh, Hull City, uh, an English uh, championship side, a side playing in the second division of English football, came to Kenya and played uh, Gormaya at Kasarani. And a year later, Gormaya went to England to play Everton at Goodison Park. I mean, these were things that were unheard of. Players were really motivated. And, uh, and, and for a moment, uh, our fans were tempted to think that uh, Sport Pesa was plugging the gap uh, left out by the government in terms of developing of football and giving Kenyan footballers hope that they can play, <coughs> excuse me, they can play like Ray Wayne Rooney and some of the English stars that uh, they would face at that point in time. Because you can remember, Gormaya drew 0-0 with Hull City in Nairobi. That was a big result by all standards. Narrowly lost 2-1 to Everton in Tanzania. So it showed Kenyan footballers and fans that, uh, that uh, I mean, uh, it, probably the gap between the English teams and the superstars and, and the Kenyan teams is not that big. And it also uh, dared the fans to dream. I mean, seeing the likes of Wayne Rooney in the flesh and, and, and very many other things. 
Also, Sportpesa got into other separate commercial deals with the likes of Arsenal to bring in coaches to Kenya to come and train Kenyan coaches. I mean, that, that, that was a first uh, by, 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 by Kenyan standards for Arsenal coaches to come to Kenya to train coaches, to share the experience with them, to empower them, to show them the latest coaching methodologies and what have you. There was another deal with Southampton, another English Premier League side between uh, Sportpesa and Southampton. Uh, so everything uh, seemed to be going in the right direction, as it were, until at some point uh, the match fixing happened. Everything was going right until things started to unravel. Because Potpesa had by all intent and purposes revived football in Kenya, the betting numbers in the country started to rise steadily. Billboards mushroomed everywhere. Online advertising for betting was rampant. Everyone was betting. What Potpesa had done was to unlock gambling in the country. But PESA at its peak, I would say, uh, I think it was in excess of uh, probably 50 billion shillings. At its peak, it was 50 billion shillings plus, I think. From an idea that the creators had almost given up on, Sportpesa grew into a size that even authorities did not understand. But that's a story for later episodes. At the moment, it was party time. The money from gambling was so much that even unrelated industry players were feeling the heat. The beer industry, for instance, found a new competitor in betting. Some companies even advised their boards that the biggest competition for their products was now betting. Gamblers will go to a pub, order two drinks, place a bet, and watch a match. They will continue drinking if they won, or as waiters observed, most often than not, live in a half after their bets fail to pay off. Alcoholics had turned into gamblers. This was just but the beginning of a country of gamblers, but fast. No, 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 no. Actually, you got uh, the entire two hundred. I got two hundred and eight million. Actually, not two eight alone. It's two hundred eight seven hundred sixty-five thousand shillings. Yeah. Direct in my account. Yeah.